Dateline, November 1st, 2015. Well, g'day folks and welcome to the Australia Desk for this week's episode number 375 and uh, what a weekend, Grant. Um, I'm rather tired. I've been to Sydney and back and a, a big night up there last night at the charity event for Angel Flight and uh, here I am all the way back in Melbourne and I tell you what, mate, we better get this recorded quickly because I think I need a nana nap. Oh, mate, I definitely need a snooze. We were out pretty late last night with a, a Mexican Day of the Dead kind of party. Miss Kit did our face paint and yeah, we looked right the part. <laughs> well, you did look rather scary, Grant, I must say. But then again, as I said last week, we, we already knew that. Yeah, well, there is that. Now, uh, last night, I thought since we mentioned it last week uh, in the segment and uh, tried to you know get a few people to come along, and I'm glad so many people did come along to the charity event uh, last night as we were recording this uh, up there in Sydney at Bankstown Airport. Uh, a really uh, great event. We raised a lot of money for Angel Flight and uh, Matt Hall, a Red Bull Air Race pilot, who I should mention had, had literally stepped off a plane from Austria and got in his own plane and flown down there and uh, the poor guy hadn't had any sleep in about two days but still put on a fantastic presentation and Matt does a lot of these sort of talks um, keynote speeches and stuff he's a big supporter of uh, a lot of these sorts of charities um, he does do a lot of public speaking and gets paid for it but for these ones he doesn't obviously get paid for it and does just a fantastic he's such a great ambassador for uh, aviation and uh, I can't really praise him enough and uh, I think I did a lot of that up last night up on the stage Grant so <laughs> but it was a really good night we had the CEO of uh, Angel Flight up there talking about some of the things that they do you know, Grant, nearly 3,000 patients um, they've transported now since uh, their inception back in 2003, uh, 18,000 flights they've conducted. And uh, you know, the thing is, Grant, that this is a really good news story about aviation and that that's really what, what we all like to do here on the Airplane Geeks podcast and on our own show is, is present good news stories about aviation. This is, you know, private pilots or private aircraft owners volunteering their time to provide this really vital community service. So, you know, they take people from remote areas who need medical help and bring them into the cities where they can get it and they take them back. They don't charge a cent for it. They don't do a lot of fundraising. Just such a wonderful organisation. Total agreement, mate. Uh, it's a great thing that we do. And uh, if I had a fixed wing licence and the, the hours and, and uh, so on, I'd be out there doing it. But uh, it's great. And like you said, it's a good news story. I'm really happy to uh, hear that we've been able to help out in our own little way. Anyway, enough spruiking about that, Grant. Let's talk about the regulator, CASA. They reckon they're going to start listening to people. You reckon that's right? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a few people in CASA who listen to a lot of people and then go ahead and do what they wanted to do anyhow. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's also a lot of folks in CASA who try and do the right thing and have a have a good listen and try and structure things to suit. But the Australian Aviation Association's forum were uh, getting a little upset at the uh, perceived slow pace of reform from CASA, the ongoing cost implications, things like that. They're not happy with the new fatigue risk management uh, regulations that are coming in. Um, the flight and duty stuff, a um, whole new section of uh, CAO 48.1 related to uh, fatigue risk management. I've been buried in that a fair bit because I've been looking at what that would do to commercial balloons. There's supposed to be a whole appendix specifically for commercial ballooning, but that hasn't arrived yet. So I think uh, that industry is going to get an extension, but they've already extended it all out till May, I believe it is next year anyhow, because everyone's going, hello, you know, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. So yeah, there's there's all sorts of problems going on, but CASA says they're going to have a listen. I know that there were well over 100 responses from pilots after uh, CASA sought their feedback on the Part 61 changes, all related to pilot ratings, licenses and endorsements. And uh, that was back in April and there's been a whole lot of consequences that have come up from it. It hasn't, you know, there's some areas of working, but on the whole, there's been a lot of parts that it's uh, increased the cost of, uh, of maintaining and training. Uh, some of the stuff that's happened with uh, maintenance and repair shops has actually led to a few TAFEs pulling out of the market and no longer doing, uh, doing maintenance, um, apprenticeship training and so on, uh, because it's just too hard. 
the the new laws have made it just crazy. So there's a there's a whole lot of people going, hello, we needed the regulations changed, but not like this. Well, I guess when uh, any government organisation such as this comes out and says, hey, we're listening, we're listening, that, that's going to be greeted with a lot of uh, cynicism, I guess. And we've heard maybe things like this from Catherine in the past. But, you know, I think it should be worth noting, of course, that, um, you know, Mark Skidmore recently took over the top job there. And uh, he seems to um, be wanting to change the culture just from what I've seen and what I've heard around, around the traps a bit that, uh, you know, change it into a bit more of an FAA style um, you know, can-do attitude rather than, you know, here's a reason not to do it. So, um, you know, I guess we're always trying to strike a balance between, you know, cost and uh, making it cost-effective and just while still keeping it safe and all the rest of it. But, uh, you yeah, know, we'll see. I was really encouraged to see, uh, you know, Skidmore at uh, Ozfly recently. And, uh, you know, you and I, Grant, we got a chance to, stand, to sit there and talk to him. And he, he talked to everybody, you know, and a lot of, uh, you know, local pilots, grassroots aviators uh, sitting there giving him, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, feedback. And uh, he, you know, he took a lot of that on board. And I think that was really encouraging to see and uh, let's hope there's more of it Grant and let's hope it's, we see some action I don't know how they're going to go for funding though Grant I see another article here in the Australian.com.au saying that they're actually uh, tipping a $10 million loss but they're looking for a rebound Yeah through all the new fees that they're charging and uh, all the new costs <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing having heard some of the stories that are going on for uh, you know cost recovery that CAS is now doing and uh Things that in the past may not have required uh, more than a couple of hours of a CASA person's time now suddenly miraculously are taking 10 hours at uh, full rates. So, yeah, there's a, a bit of concern. But, uh, yeah, as you said, with uh, with Skidmore there, Mark Skidmore, we'll see how he goes. Uh, he can put a lot of energy into changing it from the top. but uh, And I know there's people at the bottom who want to change, but there's a big middle layer and they're the hard ones to change, mate. You know, I'm not so sure that I think it has to be part of their remit to make a profit, is it? They're a regulator. They're supposed to be there to make sure that, um, you know, things are safe. I mean, we've got the other arm of, uh, of aviation regulation here, Air Services Australia, and we know their remit is to return a profit to the government. Uh, now I have my own thoughts about that, and obviously <laughs> having done my pilot's licence in, in a country where we don't have user fees, but don't get me started on that. But that's what the Air Services Australia there is for, surely. I mean, is CASA really there? Does it really matter if they don't make a profit? I'm not so sure. Isn't that something I pay my taxes for? Well, well, that's the whole user pays going through to regulatory compliance as well. And it's being taken to the nth degree. So they're all, they're supposed to do cost recovery so that they're not so big a drain on the general fund and things like that. And I think it's a bit of a worry when a government department's talking about, no, oh, we need to make a profit because, you know, it's dropping the view on what they're supposed to be doing, as you were saying just before. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, the regulator having a, a focus on making profit. I, I just I just don't know. But anyway, that's probably a discussion we can have in more detail at another time, Grant. Let's talk about something uh, that's really exciting on the military part. The Royal Australian Air Force has uh, recently, for the first time ever, refuelled an E-7A wedge tail uh, from a KC-30A tanker using the boom in the Middle East area of uh, operations. That's right, mate. They'd uh, done a few trial tanking uh, procedures off the coast of uh, Williamtown and verified that it was all good. They'd used the boom and everything was great with uh, such a large aircraft as the E7, which of course is a modified 737 platform, uh, the wedge tail. Now they've actually done it in the, well, I guess you could call it a combat environment, but it's uh, in the Middle Eastern region. So in, in an operational environment to be sure, not just a trial. And uh, the KC-30A used the boom to refuel the E7A to help keep it in the air doing its uh, airborne early warning and control role. An interesting grant. Uh, looks like we've got perhaps an American airman uh, doing some uh, refueling here, a boom operator, perhaps on exchange. Uh, here's what he had to say about that. We're currently on the KC-38 multi-role tanker transport aircraft. 
and we just refueled the E-7 wedge tail for the first time on operations in the Middle East. We'll wait for the receiver to call stable ready and we'll clear to contact. The major significance of the Royal Australian Air Force KC-30A to be able to refuel the E-7 wedge tail is increased flexibility in the area of operations. It allows us to refuel our own aircraft and provide that aviation fuel to increase the effectiveness of the RAF and ADF in the theater. It's a great honor to fly with the Royal Australian Air Force for three years. It's also a great honor to be a part of this first time event for the Royal Australian Air Force, in particular our squadron. Well, that's really cool, mate, and uh, I'm sure that uh, those uh, aircraft are going to be doing a lot more of those refueling operations. It's, it seems to be that these uh, Middle East operations have got no end, for better or worse. But, uh, Grant, I notice here also that that aircraft, which is uh, aircraft number one, uh, A30-001, has also been uh, adorned in some uh, retro World War II-style nose art. Looks pretty cool. Certainly has, mate. Uh, they've got a bit of a tribute to the Simpsons in there by... Uh using a reference to the flying hellfish that was in one of the Simpsons episodes. And they're now including a wedgetail eagle sporting a tattoo of the uh, the lightning bolt that they have on the tail of the aircraft. So, uh, yeah, they're calling it uh, Roto 4 Hellbirds. I think it's a good idea to do that and good that they're allowing them to do it. Now, Grant, just before we uh, wrap up this week, I thought we might mention the bird in a biplane, uh, Tracy Curtis-Taylor, who's making her way out here to Australia flying a Stearman all the way from the UK. Uh, looks like she's, uh, mm, I was going to say halfway, but I think not quite as we record this. Yeah, I'd say she's about a third of the way. She's in Abu Dhabi. She's then got to come across and around through to Karachi and through India um, and then down through uh, uh, Burma going to Yangon and and, uh, down into Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, and through Jakarta, into Bali, Timor, and then down through Australia. Uh, so, yeah, she's really only one third the way there. And uh, she's finishing up in Sydney. Good on her. She's flying a beautiful Boeing Stearman. I'm sure she's going to have a lot of uh, very interesting tales to tell when she gets here. Yeah, it's interesting. One end of the scale, I know that uh, we've just been listening to a, uh, a great chat there about uh, flying SR-71s, but, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Grant, I think this might just be at the other end of the scale. Imagine how quickly you could do that in an SR-71 if they were still flying. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, mate, from uh, from Britain to uh, to Australia with just a couple of tankers, right? Mm, I think I'd rather do it that way. Anyway, we can dream, we can dream, Grant, and I think we'll dream until next week. Until then, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. You know, mate, I'd go for the biplane. I really love them. No, I know you would. Good luck to you, mate.